We're connected by the things that are common to us, aren't we? So we're connected by the things that are common to us. These start to form a little bit of a web together and are belonging to a wider circle of people than that are just our, our unique little spark. Some, knowing that someone else loves cooking a barbecue or that someone else, um, what was some of the other, is, is a grandparent or, some, or someone else has a, 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 a something else, whatever it might be, it actually helps you feel a sense of belonging, doesn't it? And it goes further than this for those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour because belonging is not based upon a shared hobby like cooking, cooking barbecues or some sort of a, a weird habit that you might have or even the fact that we come to the same church. Belonging is based around what John describes as the helper, the, the paraclete is the word that he uses, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate who John says will be for all who love Jesus and for all who obey his commands. So this morning I want to explore just briefly that we all belong through the Holy Spirit to his kingdom. So let's get into that. The trouble with belonging is it isn't always easy, is it? There are times where we don't feel like we belong. Times where we may not even feel like we belong in our own household, or we feel a disconnect with our husband or wife, or, or in our workplaces where, where we go and we do our work, but we really don't have a sense of belonging, because maybe there's different values there, or, or maybe we have um, a different sense of, of understanding of faith or anything like that. We have a greater sense of belonging to those who we have this deeper connection with. And as Jenny shared, she feels at home, both at the church in England and here. She's got these two homes. She's found a place to belong through deeper connection with those inside the churches. But what if we don't find that in the church? What if we just feel like we don't fit in? How do we get this stronger connection and sense of belonging as the people of God? I want you to think about an, a, a person who you might want to have dinner with. Now, a famous person it is. Someone that you'd love to sit down with and have dinner with. It could be a, a dead person or a live person. Uh, who are some people that you might think, I'd love to have dinner with that person and chat to? Just yell it out. Who? Mick Dillon, motorbike rider. Yep. Jim Carrey. Have a good laugh. Excellent. Some others? Mahatma Gandhi. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Tick. <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi, yeah. Some amazing people to think about. The person I thought about was Leonardo da Vinci. Can you imagine the conversations you might have with Leonardo da Vinci? Um, did you know, apparently Leonardo da Vinci could simultaneously write a word forward and write a word backwards, in essence creating a mirror image. I mean, that's... How do you even find that talent? That's incredible. I'm going to write this one backward with my left hand. It's like ridiculous. But I think I'd love to learn about this guy and sit down and have a meal with him and chat about the different things. Because I'm not an art person, but I can, I can value that he's a great artist and great inventor. But da Vinci's long gone. So I can only really connect with him through his paintings and his inventions, the things that he's left for us to admire. If I want to learn how to paint like da Vinci, I'd have to go to a class where someone else might teach me a little bit about his technique and what he does. But it would be so much easier if I could just stand in front of him and say, can you show me what to do? Often we might say that we have 
uh, the same about our faith. You might have heard it said, um, someone say, it would be so much easier for me to follow Jesus if Jesus was standing, walking right beside me today. We could ask him all the questions that we need. We, could, uh, we, could, we wouldn't have to wear what would Jesus do bracelets because we'd know because he's right here with us. Um, <laughs> we could literally walk in his shoes. We could take his shoes and walk in them. We could literally do that if he was with us. It would be so encouraging in our faith. And that's a pretty cool thought. If Jesus was here, wouldn't it be easier? I'd love to sit physically and have a meal on the beach with Jesus for sure. But there is a, I think there's a bit of a misconception about what it might be like walking alongside Jesus. Because the Gospels don't really give us any real indication that the people that walked alongside Jesus were able to make decisions any differently with Jesus walking beside them. Even the closest of Jesus' friends who walked alongside him for three years heard all of what he said, denied him, and ran away. Most people looked at him from afar because his teaching was so uncomfortable in their social norms that he rocked the boat so much that they didn't want to get real close to him. Many people found his teachings totally puzzling. Many people thought he was mad. Why would this guy die for that? The other part of this equation is through the chapters that we're going to look at this morning, through uh, John 14, Jesus has promised that he's with us now. He's already with us. He's promised to be with his people today. Jesus has even promised that it is easier now. It is easier now. It is easier than when the people walked with Jesus His people will do more signs and wonders after Jesus' physical presence on earth. They did more when he was gone than when he was with them. Verse 16 of John 14 tells us uh, that on our behalf, Jesus will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to help you and be with you forever. Your NIV might say advocate. This term that is translated helper or advocate or sometimes comforter and uh, sometimes counsellor is all is the Greek term paraclete. It occurs five times in the New Testament, all through John's letters, and it occurs um, and the word can be defined in these different ways. They have slightly different translations and understandings. Firstly, this paraclete can be described as a helper, one who's been called to assist another. And I think about when you're at the dentist and the dentist gets to drill out and starts drilling in, the water's going everywhere, blood's spurting everywhere, and... Oh, sorry. Doesn't happen to you? Oh. Um, and, and says, assistant, come and get the vacuum. And they come in and they help. They help out and get, make it all better. And so the chipped teeth is going into the vacuum. Anyone going to the dentist this week? <laughs> it can also be translated comforter. Comforter. You know the feeling that when you're distressed or maybe you're bereaved or had a loss or whatever it might be and someone comes along and they don't speak to you, but they just put your hand on your shoulder. Or they just come and put your arm around you. You know that? That comfort. The loss hasn't diminished. The change hasn't happened. The pain's still there. But someone's come alongside and put an arm around today and then tomorrow. And in that moment, it makes it a little better. It comforts. The paraclete can also be translated as advocate. An advocate is slightly different to a helper or a comforter. It's someone who stands up in a court of law and explains to the judge or jury the viewpoint of the client. It advocates for them. 
pleads their case. So who is this advocate? Who is this paraclete? Well, John 14, 16 and 7 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And who is that? The Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. Divine truth. God's truth given to us through his Spirit. Another helper that John describes is the Holy Spirit, who he promises to send to us. Part of the Trinity is God, three in one. God not only saw it fit to send his son to help us to understand what life might be like to walk in his shoes, but he sees it right to not leave us stranded without him as well. And because of the paraclete with us, because the Holy Spirit is with us, the very breath of Jesus in us, it causes our theologian Tom Wright to say this, as a result of this promised spirit, the spirit of Jesus himself, Christians now, remarkable as though it may seem, are in a better situation even than the followers of Jesus during his lifetime. I wonder if you've ever thought about that. There are times where the disciples were able to do extraordinary things, that's for sure. And at times, they were able to perform healings in Jesus' name. But mostly while they were following him, they were wondering, what on earth is he talking about? What is he saying? They're amazed at the miracles that he was performing. But they still were somewhat going, I don't quite get it. And that, after Jesus died, those first few days, as they wondered what that was all about, tells us a little bit of where they were at. Let's go back and consider verse 12 in your your scripture. It says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Can you imagine the disciples' imagination as Jesus is saying this? You can imagine Peter, it's like this puppy guy going, I'm going to do what you did, Jesus, oh, that'll be amazing. I can't wait to do this, Jesus, it's going to be so good. You can imagine Thomas going, really, Jesus? Am I, I'm going to do that? I, I'm not sure about this. When you're gone, I can, I can probably think about it when you're here. But through the passages that Tuck read to us, uh, Jesus changes everything. The world cannot, from verse 18, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Incredible words. The Holy Spirit is not just a concept that makes up the third part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the helper, the advocate, the comforter, is God with us, in us today. That's incredible. That's a faith stirrer. The Spirit of God right with me. Who who am I? What am I that I might have the Spirit of God with me? Verse 15 tells us what we have to do. It says, if you love me and keep my commands. If you love me and keep my commands. Those who love Jesus and seek to live a Jesus kind of life. Those who walk in the way of Jesus. That's who has this alongside it with them. If we go a little bit further on the passage that Tuck read, verse 23 says, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will come to them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Love and obedience. Love Jesus. Keep his commands. That's all. 
There's no rituals, there's no secret sayings, no initiations, no rites of passage. Just a love for Jesus and a willingness to obey. You know, the temple in Jesus' day was a big thing. The temple was known as the dwelling place of God. It was the house of the Lord, the place where God was. And people came to pray, bring sacrifice of worship. Jesus makes a statement now, a massive statement, that we will come to those who love and obey. And we will make our home, not in the temple anymore, but with them. We'll make our home with them, with me. My, my lived experience as a 15-year-old was that I had no idea how to pray. So I uh, didn't know what it meant to pray real well. I didn't really understand what I was doing. The only thing I knew was that Jesus was key in the lives of the people that I was hanging out with, and I wanted to be a lot like them because they were great. So my basic prayer was, Jesus, I give my life to you. I was on my own. I was in my bedroom. Um, I didn't quote a Bible verse. I didn't say a set prayer. I just had this openness to accept Jesus for myself. Nothing spectacular happened at that moment. Maybe I expected it to, but nothing happened. But my life started to change. My attitude started to shift. People at school started to notice a difference in me. Now, I need to know, I wasn't a bad kid. Uh, Parent-teacher interviews was a blessing to me because every time I'd go, the teacher would say how great I was. That's, I, was I was a pretty good kid. So I love parent. That was a favorite day of the year, parent-teacher interview days. I don't know if that's normal. I was part of a footy crowd. I played footy, but I never got into the, the drinking and the, the out-of-control stuff that some of my footy mates got into. I don't know why that never happened for me. I never thought that as a, a decent kid, there could be much difference in me. But something had changed because I had people telling me, what's changed? Something's different. So I can only attribute that now to the work of the paraclete, the helper, the comforter, the advocator, shaping me, moulding me to be more like Jesus. And 30 years down the track, I still need shaping and moulding. There's no point where I have made it. And if I ever tell you that I have, you can come and cut me down a peg or two because I haven't. But I still believe as much as I did 30 years ago that Jesus has saved me, that he is in me, and that he still shapes me for his purpose. That's a humbling thing. That's a humbling thing. So I need to bring this to a point. And the point is this. Well, I'll share an illustration, then I'll get to the point. In 2004, Oprah Winfrey, who was known for her giving of gifts to her audiences, quite extravagant gifts to her audiences, she bought her audience a small white box. And as the audience started opening it, pandemonium set out. And Oprah sort of starts yelling, screaming out because people are holding up keys to a brand new car. And you know, you know the famous line, and you hear Oprah just is going out in control and she goes, and you get a car, 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 and just everyone's just screaming, it's going, going crazy. And it's interesting to read a little bit about it because they didn't factor in the uh, insurances and, and all that sort of stuff. So people still had to pay money and, and it, it, it came as a gift so it, it put people above the tech, tax threshold so they had to pay things back. So people were pretty upset by these stinking cars. 276 cars were given away that day. 276 cars. Lots of money. Everyone in the audience had a car and they were connected through this extravagant gift from Oprah Winfrey. By coming to Oprah's show that day, they were connected through the gifts that they received. 
The point is this. Every person who loves Jesus and obeys his command are connected through the free and extravagant gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, but also through the gift of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper, the advocate. Whilst I can't see Jesus screaming out from heaven, and you've got the paraclete, and you've got the paraclete, and I can't see that happening. Maybe he is. Pretty cool if it did. <laughs> he's in you. He's in you. He's in you. And he's in you. We're connected. We're connected into part of God's bigger family. And in that way, you belong. You belong. You belong. There's no perfect church. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said, we exist in a bundle of belonging. (laughs) I like that. A bundle of belonging. All different shapes and sizes. And this morning, we've looked theologically at belonging to God's great family. What it means to be one in Christ, in essence. While we're still individuals, we have our unique God-given gifts, abilities, and loves. We're also members as one with this paraclete. We have a deep desire to connect into the body. And whilst... I, we do believe wholeheartedly. I know it doesn't always work within the four walls of the church. I know of people who have left church because they just don't fit in. I think of my mate Nick. Nick was six foot six, had a shaved head, and walked into our little church with tattoos all over. Heads turned, heads went up. <laughs> and it didn't take long for Nick to feel uncomfortable and to pack up and find another place to find his faith journey. Now, I know that there'll be some of you who could be here today thinking, well, I'd belong if someone talked to me, or if I had a connection beyond Sunday. Maybe you're new and you're wondering, am I going to connect here at KSBC? I hope you get the feeling that you can. I hope that you come back next week. If you're online, I hope that there is some way that you feel a connection in with this community. That the Sunday morning is a conduit for you to be part of this wider body of believers. It was lovely to speak to Gillian Southam this year. Lovely Gillian. Uh, this, this week, sorry. And she watches every single week. So hi, Gillian. It's lovely to have you with us. I know there are others in that, in that same boat as well. Unable to get to KSBC, but feel a sense of being a part of who we are. So whilst we belong in Christ through the paraclete, We also find belonging in and through the church, the people of God. And that's where this series is going to go over the next few weeks. We're going to dig deeper in how we as a community of God's people can nurture a sense of belonging together. I want to finish with this, and I know we've gone a little over time today. But I want you to imagine a place where you'd love to retire. A place where you'd love to retire. Or if you have retired, you might be retired. The place that perhaps... 20, 30 years ago, you thought, I'd love to retire there. And you might, it might be there. That might be you right now. Oh, that's fantastic. But the place for me is Fort William. Has anyone been to Fort William? Couldn't throw the string at you. Oh, Solari, yes, good call. Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go, Marilyn. That's good. <laughs> um, well, Fort William is this little town at the base uh, um, of Ben Nevis, which is uh, Scotland's highest mountain. It's surrounded by hills and mountains and lakes, And from what I remember, I've got the perfect picture of it in my head. It's probably very different to that. But it was the most serene place that I'd ever been. At the time, I was was in my mid-20s, I was thinking, I could retire here. It was stunning. It was beautiful. Um, 
So when we think of a place where we retire, we often think of a town smaller than perhaps we're living now, a smaller place, a place which becomes your village. And I suppose that's why we sort of say, let's go and retire to a village. Or we have a retirement village. I suppose that's why they call it that. But the dream of a village life is not necessarily about the idealistic place to retire. The village is a place where you find security, a place with boundaries where you can be safe, a place where you can be known. Uh, And the dream for the village is often around this idea, I can be physically secure in this space. I'm safe here, but I can also find an emotional security. I belong here. Being known, physically understanding, and being needed, this emotional security of belonging, is so important. And we find both in Christ. But sometimes... Not everyone finds it in the church. So this year, I want us at KSBC to work to become a place where people can belong, where we connect through the the Holy Spirit together, but a place where you are known and a place where you can feel needed. When we find both of these in the church, you find that you're you're more ready and willing to accept responsibility of, of feeding back into that community. We start to, say, to do what Hume McKay describes, the moral responsibility for the well-being of others. Belonging helps us to, to see our place in the common good for all. It's where we start to form the authentic community care. And we seek to fulfil the community um, because it's the right thing to do. It becomes the place we find our common bond through the paraclete, a place which is more about the people than the things that we have in it. It's the home that Jenny summed up. My prayer is that you find belonging firstly in in in, in the paraclete, in, in, in the community of faith. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, may you seek him out, that you too may be part. And secondly, that this group of wonderful people, that here and online, it becomes a place where we find our security, where we are known and where we are needed, that you'll find belonging here. Let me pray. Our Lord God, we give you thanks and praise that you are good, that you are with us, that we are humbled that you are with us. And our Lord, we pray that this morning we may have a sense of who you are with us, that we belong here, we belong, that you've put us in this space for a reason, Help us to not just feel belonging, but to bring a sense of belonging to others as well. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.